welcome to episode number 128 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson and Brad Allen, where we run down all of the week's NFL games. This is going to be an interesting podcast. This is a weird week in the NFL. Of course, we've had a couple of games that have been moved already. We have some very large spreads that are out there. So we'll see if we can navigate through this, if there are any betting angles, if there are any bets that are already in our accounts We'll let you know at Brett Colson, at Brad Allen NFL, and at Matt Brown M2. If you want to follow us on the Twitter machine, of course, we're on Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify. So go in, go in, subscribe, rate, and review, all of that stuff like that. Um, real quick on the Thursday night game, guys, um, I was actually on the under in that game, got through, came in. Bears win outright, also cover as three and a half point underdogs. It was a beaten up Tampa Bay team on the offensive side of the ball. And you had Tom Brady go out there, the GOAT Tom Brady, and not know that it was fourth down when it was fourth down. Brett, I'm sure you got no enjoyment out of that whatsoever, seeing that Tom Brady didn't know what down it was. I'm actually I'm sad I wasn't watching in real time. I was watching <laughs> baseball and I saw the tweets come in. I was like, oh no, I missed it. But that was that's just a beautiful moment as a Bills fan. You you love to so, see it. So Brad, um, just as we move forward, and of course we'll handicap these teams as the games come up, but just real quick, real quick. Um, the Bucks kind of beat up on offense. The Bears, uh, you know, a weird, ugly, low-scoring win. Does this change your perception at all on either team after Thursday night? Uh, not really. I mean, the Bucks kicked, what do they kick, five field goals, four field goals? You know, I thought that, especially the last one on fourth and one to take a two-point lead, I thought it was a bit pathetic. Um, so, yeah, you, you would think they'll be better once – you know they've they've got the weapons battle with Godwin back in there when Evans is is less banged up. Um, the Bears the Bears are I think well their point differential is plus five and obviously they're four and one which is nuts and they'll tell you they've probably not changed much from the team we thought they were seven eight wins um, and they t- they are tough to handicap as well because Foles is so streaky they, they said it on the broadcast. I think he was throwing this perfect pass down the left side. Oh, Foles is getting hot, and he just dropped a dropped a dime into I think the running back, and it, just, it summed him up. Like when it, when he's good, he's so good, it looks so fluid. But then he just takes two quarters off. So they are quite tough to handicap. Like you know, we saw we saw the, the two Foles on Sunday against the Colts, and then on Thursday where where he got hot for a bit. So a tricky tricky team yeah no doubt about it and even that defense like uh was getting eaten up early and then late they came through and were able to kind of solidify that win but yeah it's a weird weird team no doubt because it's uh gonna be real tough to figure out i mean Foles was missing passes left and right at the beginning of the game and then yeah it started i think at one point had then completed 15 of 17 passes in a row so uh interesting interesting game i don't really change my opinion of the bucks too incredibly much i mean when you're coming off short week you have two starting receivers out mike evans was out there kind of limping around. I mean, he was doing what he could, but he certainly was not uh, anywhere close to 100% at all. Leonard Fournette didn't go either. And so, uh, you know, I don't really change all that much on the Bucks. So let's go and get into week five here, guys. Panthers at the Falcons. And this is actually one of the games that is in my account. Uh, it's still teaserable. So um, it's, it's still at one and a half right now in favor of the Atlanta Falcons total sitting at 53 and a half or 54. We have seen the Carolina Panthers start to figure it out a little bit and the Falcons continue to not. So Brad, I'll, I'll start with you here. Uh, point and a half favorites as we sit recording this are the Falcons at home against the Carolina Panthers total of 53 and a half or 54. Yeah, it's a horrible spot for the Falcons, isn't it? Short week um, with just a litany of defensive injuries and, and offensive injuries. We don't know if Julio is going to go. Um, Calvin Ridley's banged up as well. Um, the the defensive injuries, I think, are the key. They're going to have no slot corner, Darquez Denard. They're going to have no safeties, mm-hmm. basically. KZ, Nick Keanu Neal's out. Ricardo Allen's out. Um, they're getting um, the cornerback um, off the COVID list. Um, I've forgotten his name currently. Uh, first round Terrell. pick, yes, uh, AJ Terrell. Um, he'll be back, which we should help a bit. But they're still very, very shorthanded back there, especially against this this trio of weapons they got coming in in um, Samuel, Robbie Anderson, and DJ Moore. Um, yeah, Teddy likes to th- spread it around, and I think he should have ample opportunity to move up and down the field here. Um, I think 
you know, obviously there's there's been a big move on the on the Panthers here, but say we give the Falcons one and a half for home field, I don't really see how you can say this version of the Falcons is equal. Um, you know, for years it's been oh well the defense is crap, but you can rely on the offense, but that that's not even really there this year. So I had a look at um, basically stripping out some garbage time stuff uh, and just looking at success rate on early downs as well and the, the Falcons are bottom five mm-hmm. in the NFL so they're not even they're not even moving the ball sort of well or efficiently <laughs> the, the defense is right. there so yeah I, I, like, I like the Panthers on the money line basically yeah and, and Brett this is kind of one of those things like the Falcons have scored a lot of points and there's no doubt about that but when you go and you look at the advanced metrics there's nothing that really backs up that that's a sustainable thing pass blocking is in the lower third of the league run blocking lower third of the league their pass offense DVOA is down at 19th and so it's not like it's this super elite unit and then you know that the defense has kind of been letting them down here and just to let you you know as many points as they score their their net yards per play is 0.9 which is 29th in the league which just lets you know just how bad the defense has been because even as many points as they're scoring and supposedly as good as this offense is they're giving up way way more than they're actually getting here um so i think i gave it away in the opener when this was at two and a half on the on the panthers this was one of the very first teaser legs that i made of the week to get the panthers up to eight and a half it's still teaserable at one and a half to get it up to seven and a half through the three through the seven so uh that's kind of the tipping of my hand right there as to how i went about this game yeah for me this is one of the more interesting games of the week you had to look ahead of minus three and a half this opened at three on monday and a lot of money came in on carolina moved this all the way to, to minus one on wednesday and now we're sitting at one and a half which is great for you obviously matt here as of friday morning i i don't know what to make of these atlanta offensive numbers like is this a product of just bad coaching in the second half, they get out to this early lead and then their offensive numbers take a dive when they're just sitting back and trying to drain clock. Like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like this is still a really good offense and the numbers don't reflect it as mm-hmm. much as it should. But at the same time, Carolina, you could certainly make the argument that Carolina has been better on offense this year. They average more yards per play. Their defense has their defense has been better than advertised too. Uh, Derek Brown, some of these younger guys, Brown and Brian Burns have looked really good the last couple of weeks. Kawan Short is now getting healthier. So I, this is a tough one. I think this is just a stay away from me. The, the Falcons are too Jekyll and Hyde to have a solid read on what they're going to be doing each week, especially with a coach who should really be on the verge of being axed. So I have no read on what's going on in that locker room. And that's that's important for a team that is unraveling. So there's just too much uncertainty really for me to... Yeah, the other thing that I liked about the Panthers, and I think this is something I overlooked a little bit earlier in the year, but, you know, as we get into the quarter point of the season, we got to remember, this is a guy that hasn't been a starter in the NFL in several, several years playing quarterback. You have a new coach in rule, a new offensive coordinator in Brady. So to think that it took a couple of games to kind of figure it out and to get things going in what was a weird shortened, you know, uh, off season, no preseason games, things like that to the last couple of weeks, I've seen some pretty decent signs of life from this Carolina Panthers team. So stuff that I've actually really, really liked. And so, um, you know, to think that they're only going to continue to get better, I think is, is probably my right line of thinking here uh, with this Carolina team, especially with all those weapons that Brad mentioned on the offensive side of the ball and with the Falcons, you know, giving up 341 and a half passing yards per game right now. That doesn't even sound real. They're giving up 341 passing yards per game right now um with everything so yeah really do like the panther side of this one actually one of the few games that i actually have a a, a decent amount of conviction on <laughs> for the week uh let's talk raiders and chiefs and brett i'll start with you on this one this is one of those games that was off the board for a little while because there might have been COVID exposure to patrick mahomes when he went up and was having a conversation with stefan gilmore who of course has now tested positive for the patriots but everything is good on mahomes is in they put the game back up it is sitting as 11 and a half point favorites for the uh for the kansas city chiefs 55 and a half is your total in this one by the way speaking of covid exposure apparently all the jets players and coaches were just sent home because of a positive test all right breaking news so there we have it that's fun anyway 
Yeah, back to this one. It's it's a lot of points, but uh, yeah, I, the Raiders' offense has actually been really good this year. They're tenth in in DVOA offense, but do we trust John Gruden to attack the Chiefs' biggest deficiencies on defense? That being the linebackers and and safeties in the middle mm-hmm. of the field. Um, I I don't know. I like that's kind of why I liked the Raiders last week. I thought that they'd be able to capitalize on the Bills' weaknesses, and they just didn't. So, you know, Kansas City has allowed more yards per carry than all but two teams in the NFL this year. And that, had, you know, some of that has to do with the, the game flow. But you have to slow Mahomes down. You have to keep him off the field. But year after year, they they just play right into the hands of Andy Reid's game plan. And, and the Chiefs know if you force Derek Carr to play catch up, you're forcing him to attack the strength of that Chiefs defense. Um I just don't like the looks of a negative script for Derek Carr here. So it's a lot of points, but it's probably not enough for me to hop on the Raiders. Brad, we know what John Gruden really wants to do, and he he would prefer to run the ball, and he would prefer to bang jo- you know uh, Jacobs into the line 30 times a game, if at all humanly possible. If, if there is an Achilles heel to this Chiefs defense, it would be their rush defense, which is down at 21st, according to Pro Football Focus, 27th DBOA. But then you look at the rush offense for the Raiders, and despite the fact that they want to do it so often – they're not necessarily all that efficient at it. Their run blocking ranked is, is down in the bottom third of the league. Their rush offense DBOA is actually 29th in the league. So they're not efficient despite the fact that they want to do it so incredibly often. Um, so with all of that, you would, you know, some, some people would try, like to draw the line to, well, the Raiders like to run the chiefs uh, run defense is, is where they're suspect. So you give me 11 points. I'm going to take that every single time, but I don't know if you can necessarily draw a direct line to that. Yeah, so the the Raiders offensive line, I think one of the reasons they've got that those bad rushing numbers is they were they had been banged up all year. Obviously Richie Incognito at guard is out. They've been without Trent Brown on the right mm-hmm. side. Um who Brown should be back this week, which should help that a lot because he's he's a giant of a man on the right side. Um and they like to run behind him. Um so I think they could have a little bit more success than some of those numbers would suggest. So I think the Chiefs the Chiefs are very hard to handicap, aren't they? Because I would say three of their four games this year, they've not really tried. They, mm. you know, have gone to the back of the playbook and just run to the left, run to the right, slants, whatever. And it's you know, we saw one game where they actually wanted to go and they, you know, it was like shovel passes to the fullback and stuff. And it it, it was the full Andy Reid works and they smashed the Ravens. But I think we're probably more likely to get this vanilla Chiefs offense that we saw last week where they scored three points or six points in the first half. I think we're more likely to get that. But the re- the, well, I, haven't, I haven't bet this game and it's because if they do want to open it up, you know, I think they match up brilliantly against the, the Raiders because the Raiders don't have the speed on the back end to keep up with Tyreek and Mecole and, and, and Kelsey and everyone else. So if they want to come out and score, I think we saw it last year, they scored 28 points in the second quarter and then they won the game 28-10 because they just shut it down straight away. Um, so... I would probably lean to the Raiders because I do think we'll get the vanilla Chiefs offense. And then I think the Raiders will be a bit improved from what we've seen. They they get um they also get their young speeds to back Henry Ruggs as well. So I think that's two quite important offensive pieces and they should be able to move the ball somewhat. Um last thing I would say on this game is again on this um early down success rate, stripping out garbage time, the Raiders actually came in seventh in the NFL, fifty one percent success rate. That's you know, just behind Seattle and just mm-hmm. ahead of Buffalo. So they are they are moving the ball quite well, underperformed a bit on third downs, so they might be a little bit better than they've seen. Uh, forced to pick a side, Raiders plus 13. Yeah, so same with me. I don't have a play on this game. If I had to play it, I would take the points because strictly it's one of those things where I we have seen the Chiefs sleepwalk at times. And I think that they – look, I mean – I. I think it's an antiquated thought, but I think that some of these older he- old, older head coaches and certainly Andy Reid, I think they think that if we use a play at any point in the season, we can't use that play again. Like they don't want to like show what they can do and stuff. And, you know, I, I think that's a little kind of an old way of thinking. I think you can probably use your, your, your plays, your gadget plays three or four times a year and it would still work, but uh, they don't do that. And like you said, they, I think that this is probably another game that we're not going to see kind of the full arsenal from this Chiefs team, and they probably won't need it. But does that mean that they will cover 
the line as it sits right now, I don't know that. So that's why it would be taking the points or pass for me. Uh, Rams and the football team. We have a quarterback change here, Brad. We have gone from Dwayne Haskins to Kyle Allen. This did absolutely nothing to the spread. We are still sitting at seven, seven and a half, depending on where you get this right now in favor of the Rams on the road at the football team, a total of 46 and a half. Yeah, so just statistically, just off my power ratings, made this one made this one a bit higher, closer to nine. So I thought it was interesting to see the market move the other way, um, especially with Kyle Allen. That pushed it down to seven for a bit, um, and there was nothing I could see in his in his record that made him any better than uh, Dwayne Haskins. You know, I think both have about a PFF rate of forty eight um, over their last eight games or so. So just near identical. You could maybe argue that Alan knows the system better because he's come over with Scott Turner. He played for him. Um, and he, 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 I think he's, he's a bit of a Nick Foles where he will let it fly and he will play within the system and let the weapons make a play. Um, but ultimately, he's just not that accurate. He's, probably, he's a poor man's Nick Foles, which isn't a good thing to be, really. Um, and he is turnover prone as well. So I, I, I think no upgrade, personally. Um and then I think the big mismatch here again is this uh, Redskins interior offensive line. Obviously, they lost their best player there, Brandon Scherf, a couple of weeks back. Um, and that interior is going to be going up against Aaron Donald and Michael, Michael Brockers. Um, and when you've got a relatively immobile quarterback back there, um, I, I don't think the Redskins are going to move the ball very well. And just on the other side of the ball, I don't really know what to make of the Rams because first three weeks of the season, they were superb and everyone's Sean McVay's back. But then... They, they were under 300 yards last week and they got 55 on basically that like game-winning play from Cooper Cup. So they really struggled to move the ball against a just putrid Giants defense. And the concern is that this Sean McVay scheme was figured out last year. He 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 figured out the adjustments and adjusted again and it was flying to, to for the start of this season. But have now have his adjustments been figured out? Because it is a concern if you can't move the ball on the Giants because this risk is the... Is slightly better than the Giants. They've got a better D line at least. Um, so I, I do have some concerns about the the Rams being able to move the ball as well. Um, so I, I stayed away from this game, but would prefer the Rams side. Uh, Brett, we take a look at the Rams, and if you look at their offensive advanced metrics, DBOA loves them. Um, pass offense eighth, rush offense first overall. They have been converting on third down. They're fourth in the league in third down conversion percentage, six six point one yards per play, which is seventh overall in the league. Um, really, really, it was kind of this last week, which a which I kind of identified more as just a bad situation for the Rams as opposed to poor performance with the travel and all the things that was going on with all of that. So I'm not really holding it against them. And I actually think it's a little bit underrated Giants defense as opposed to being putrid. So um, I'm a little bit more, I'm not as down on the Rams. I think here, um, as it seems like Brad is seven points as we sit right now. What do you think about the Rams on the road at the football team? I like it at seven. I like the Rams at seven. I mean, the, the, the books at seven and a half, the books were begging us to take mm-hmm. Washington and it looks like they got some money there. I mean, Chase, Chase Young is back practicing. We've already seen how valuable he is to that defense. What's interesting though, is how well the Rams have protected Jared Goff so far this season. This was a team that I, I loved to pick on last year when they faced good pass rushers because Goff just crumbled mm-hmm. under pressure. But They've done a good job. I mean, I, I blasted this team for not drafting an offensive lineman or signing one during the offseason, but this has been one of the better units in the and in the whole league this season. If they can, can can continue that, if they can neutralize the only real strength on this Washington team in this pass rush, I think they're going to be fine. And Sean McVay is just about as good as anybody at scheming yards against an opponent's weakness. Um, I just I don't see any plus matchups on the field for Washington, and in a season where offense matters more than ever. I'm going to lean toward the far better offense, even at, you know, even if seven and a half, I kind of like the Rams here. You know, this Washington mm-hmm. offense ranks 30th in pass offense grade, and I don't foresee Kyle Allen giving them a boost. If anything, now you've got a team in negative script with a turnover every quarterback, and that plays 
even more into the hands of the Rams late in a football game. So uh, this is this is a pretty good spot for. Yeah. For LA, and it, for me, you know, I talked about playing a bunch of teasers this week. This uh, this week just sets up like so incredibly perfect for teasers. I actually got this wrong. I took it at seven and a half to bring it down to one and a half on the Rams. Uh, I thought the line was going to go back up whenever they decided that they were going to go to Kyle Allen. I had no idea. I had yeah. no idea people were going to be buying into Kyle Allen like when it came down to it. But uh, I guess he's the the savior there for the, for the football team. Um, so, uh, yeah, I bought the Rams down to uh, to a point and a half and, and paired them up in a, in a teaser as well. I uh, I think this Rams team is actually kind of sneaky good, and I think they're actually going to end up com- kind of like the one weakness, if you wanted to point out, would be a rush defense for this Rams team. But let's be for real. I mean, the, the football team is not going to go out there and just run the ball down the Rams' throat or anything like that. So, um Point and a half for me on this Rams team. Feel pretty good about it. And that's how I went ahead to play this one. Um, Brett, let's take a look at the Jags and the Texans. Of course, the big news of the week is the Texans get rid of their head coach and general manager, Bill O'Brien. Is this a good thing? Because we hear a little bit later, there was actually kind of a player revolt that was going on behind the scenes against him, apparently led by J.J. Watt. In all of that, this is a team that I think we all kind of liked last week. They go out, absolutely, uh, absolutely destroy our hopes right from the beginning. At least it wasn't even a sweat. Like they just were like, oh, no, we're bad. We're going to play bad. And that's just all there is to it. Um, they are five point five and a half, five point, depending on where you get it. Favorites right now at home against the Jags, a total of anywhere between 53 and a half and 54 and a half. So there's at least a there's a point differential depending on where you go about finding this number. This is going to sound familiar, but this is the week Deshaun Watson <laughs> has to get right. Right. Like I feel like I'm fa- I feel like I'm falling right back into the trap. But at the same time, Bill O'Brien's gone. You got new life for a team that has a superstar quarterback. Jacksonville ranks dead last in EPA allowed over through the pass over the past four, the first four weeks of the season. So this sets up as an excellent spot for Watson to go out and have himself a game. The question is, and Matt, you and I talked about about this on Wednesday. Can these pass catchers Mm -hmm. help him out? Can Fuller and Cooks and Cobb a separate and then B improvise and get open once Watson exits the pocket because that's the one key thing we have not seen from this offense all season and that's where the absence of DeAndre Hopkins is really showing uh, in this offense so I do I do expect that to change this week I think there's gonna be a lot of points in this game and I think that plays into the hands of Houston here I think this should be set. yeah Brad I was uh, t- talking offline with with Brad about this and I, I kind of went in and dug into this Houston team just a little bit to realize why they why have they been so incredibly bad and you know you lose you, you lose DeAndre Hopkins and you realize like okay you lose one of the best receivers in all of the league but then you go back and you look and this offensive line has still been pretty poor and you still have Watson who's kind of running for his life out there but he had that safety valve in Hopkins the savvy receiver who understood how to go find a hole in a defense or understood how to break a route off and understood how to improvise and understood how to do all these things that where we some of the deficiencies of that offensive line and the fact that Watson was getting flushed from the pocket all the time was kind of hidden and that's not really happening this year because you have a bunch of number twos and number threes who are trying to have to play the role of a number one wide receiver and I think that's really really hurt this offense here a ton and um, you know but you do have a situation in possible get right spot with Jacksonville coming to town yeah so you, you go back and look at some of the sacks Watson took last week and he was holding onto the ball for like four mm-hmm. seconds plus on a lot of them. Um, and, you know, people going, well, that's, that's on Watson then. But then you basically look at the receivers, you look down the field and, and no one's open. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it really is, it, there, there's a real impact from losing Watson. And I don't know whether that's scheme or the players because you would think like Fuller, Brandon Cooks, um, Randall Cobb, you know, they, these, these are household names. These are people that have got open. So is, is the scheme just bad? I don't really know. And obviously the offensive coordinator this week is going to be the guy who was there through weeks one and three before Bill O'Brien saved them last week. Um, so I think the big story is the Jags injuries, basically. Um, they should get their centre back, which which we like, Brandon Linder. Um, their left tackle is, is questionable. I'm not sure about him. And then defensively, DJ Hayden is on IR. He went out last week. Um, 
then there's there's Miles Jack. He, he's, he's limited practice. He's going to be huge if he plays. Um, so I, I do need to see this this Jags injury report. Mm. I think if those players play, I'll probably prefer the Jags side here because, again, this early down success rate metric I was talking about, um, they're actually ninth in success rate. Um, so they're, they're moving the ball offensively. And you remember last week, they were smashed in from plus three at the, at the Bengals all the way down mm. to kind of one at kickoff almost. Um, and they were in that game before they suffered all these injuries, before they lost two corners and Miles Jack and, and the left tackle. So I think they're probably a little bit hard done by about that final score. Um, so as I say, if if I see all those players in there or you know, at least Miles Jack mm. and, and the two offensive linemen, then um, I, I quite like the Jags to move the ball and uh, keep this one close enough to cover six or so. Yeah, if this were to get to six, I would probably be more interested in the Jags. Sitting at that no man's land at five, five and a half right now, I'm a little less so inclined to play, but something's got to give here. The Texans have given up more sacks than anybody in the NFL and the Jags are only getting one sack a game. So like it's a, a weakness against a weakness here and uh, we'll Will the Jags win out on, I mean, Watson's already been sacked 16 times this season. It's crazy to, to, to think that, but already been sacked 16 times through the short season here. I'll be looking for a six if one pops on Jacksonville. If not, uh, will definitely be one that I'll just kind of sit out here. Uh, let's talk about the Cardinals and the Jets. The uh, Cardinals, a team that I'll admit I had gotten a little wrapped up in, a little enamored with when you look at all the highlight plays that you see from Kyler Murray. And that, I, that just, even when you've done it for as long as I have, it still sticks in your brain and it it's clouds your judgment. And uh, they came back down to earth and rightfully so, because when you dug into the advanced numbers, they were not actually all that efficient and they were not actually all that good. And so, Brad, they head on the road here against a Jets team that's going to be starting Joe Flacco at quarterback because Sam Darnold is out a total of 47, 47 and a half in this one. Yeah, I mean, uh, as, as Brett says, we we don't know exactly whether this game is going to be played. So, uh I won't spend too much time on it. I think the key here, there was a the Jets, repeat, Jets beat reporter, Rich Simini. He um, he had an article up this week saying, basically Flacco, he, he hasn't, he's barely practicing the system at all because he had a neck injury throughout the off-season. Um, the offensive line we know is terrible. Flacco's a statue in there anyway. Uh, he doesn't know the system. And, you know, the, the, the Cardinals' pass rush is, is actually surprisingly good. It's kind of 12th in adjusted mm. sack rate, I think. So... They should they should be all over him. Um, the Cardinals they're basically they're they're quite efficient in terms of success rate. They're about twelfth in success rate, but they're not getting any explosive plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's all dump offs and sort of eight yard digs to um, to Hopkins. So can they get more explosive plays? I think if they start putting Andy Isabella in there more, you know, he's shown he's got a history of explosion or explosive plays. So I think it's a relatively easy fix. And I'm kind of buying, I'm kind of buying Cliff Kingsbury. We saw last year, they really struggled the first months of the season. And, you know, he, he, re- he rebuilt the offense around like two tight end sets about running the ball, which they're not running the ball well either, apart from Kyler. So I do kind of trust him to make the necessary adjustments and, and keep moving this team forward to get them, as you say, they're, they're mid-pack offensively currently. And they've mm-hmm. definitely got a higher ceiling than that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I quite like the Cardinals minus seven um, if we get a game. Right, and it seems like maybe that is uh, definitely up in up in the air now. By the time you're listening to this, the thing might have already been canceled. So, sorry if that's the case. Uh, Brett... Jets dead last in net yards per play. No shock there that they're dead last in net yards per play. Nothing really at all to get excited about with this team. Every offensive metric, they are down towards the bottom of the league. Dead last in just straight yards per play. Of course, net yards per play as well. They they are dead last. Third down conversions down at 28th in the league. So they're not they're not moving the chains at all. And even on the defensive side of the ball, you know, um, you look at the advanced metrics and they're not as bad as you see with your eyes. But I mean, when the defense is just out on the field for as much as his defense is, they end up wearing down. They get uh, later in the games as uh, these teams really just abuse this team on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, it makes sense if you're on the field for friggin', you know, three quarters of the game, you're, you're just not built to be able to, to do that here. So a full touchdown Cardinals on the road at the Jets. 
Yeah, it's a shame this one might not get played because this is one of the few sides I actually like this week. Probably a good buyback spot mm-hmm. for Arizona coming off two straight losses. Their stock has plummeted. Uh, the look ahead of here was eight and a half, and now we're looking at seven. And that's with the Jets rolling out their backup quarterback. Uh, Arizona's offense has been stagnant two straight weeks against bad defenses, so that's a major concern. But as we saw last Thursday, this this Jets secondary has to be the worst yeah. in the NFL right now. Like the way Brett Rippon just picked apart Pierre Desir last week, it's mind blowing how bad this coverage unit is. So if Arizona can get any of these supplemental weapons going, Kirk Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. like Brad said, like Isabella, let just let this guy run some po- like skinny posts down the field, just outrun this Jets secondary. Uh, I can't see New York getting many stops. Yeah, same game. with me. I think I kind of gave it away as well. Like Arizona's side, this is also a prime uh, teaser leg as well. If that's how you want to go about playing this week with all these big spreads, uh, I cannot see an outright win in any scenario for the Jets here. And so you get the Cardinals down to one point, and it would be very tough for me to see a way that that ticket doesn't cash for you, uh, at least on that leg of your teaser. The Eagles are heading to the Steelers. We have another touchdown game here, Brett, a full touchdown in favor of the Steelers. 44 and a half is your total, which in today's NFL is microscopic. That used to be like the normal total that we would talk about. And now we're looking at a 44 and a half total and thinking how small that is. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger did come out this week and said he didn't like what went on with, you know, how he felt like they got the short end of the stick with all this COVID thing that they, you know, had a bye week that was later on in the season that got taken away from them. That Now earlier in the season when they were still relatively healthy, of course, these teams kind of like it more middle of the season where they have that week to get healthy after they've been banged up for uh, for several weeks. He also said he didn't like the way that it kind of cut any momentum that they had. Uh, We're talking about Ben Roethlisberger that, again, had not taken a snap in the NFL since week two of last season. And he was saying that they were just kind of starting to figure things out on the offensive side of the ball. And then they had to shut it all down and get going again. We we saw a win from the Eagles last week, but again, against another team that's completely beaten up in the 49ers. So what do you take from all of that? And are you willing to lay a touchdown with the Steelers at home? I am, and it's it's gross. This is two straight touchdown mm-hmm. favorites that I like. This this is just the NFL in, in 2020, uh, I guess. I just I see this as a great spot to fade the Eagles off a win. Wentz against that depleted 49ers front four last week had his most efficient game of the season, despite he only threw for 193 yards, but mm-hmm. that was the best we've seen out of Carson Wentz all year. And now he gets the best pass rush in the NFL. They've had extra time to prepare for him. And Wentz is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league when he gets pressure in his face. Like the Steelers blitz, they blitz more than any other team in the NFL and have the, like two of the better edge rushers in the league. The only way Philly stands a chance here is if they can offset that pressure with screens, quick releases. But do they have the weapons? Do they have the playmakers on the field? to to neutralize that i just i don't think they do so i've got the steelers big here i think this is a big game for james Conner. they just run all over I'm, philly in this one and and, and and that it sucks to say that because they have to still have to yeah. cover seven points There's a lot of points to cover cover but i just i don't see the eagles scoring a whole yeah lot i mean we are talking about in what seems to be like an nfl where there are very few good defenses anymore this is actually one of them in the steelers this is actually one of the elite defenses that are that is in the league right now and, and brad you take a look at this and you know Ben Roethlisberger did talk about the negatives, but I guess we, if we did want to talk about the positives, it did give them an extra week to any sort of weird nagging injuries to maybe get a little bit healthier. We know they're going to be healthier than the Eagles are as they come into this. Maybe they were able to concentrate while they weren't able to be physically preparing for this the whole time. They were at least, uh, you know, had, a, had an extra week to kind of look into this game and, um, you know, I'm with Brett. If I'm playing this game, I think I have to play the favorite here. And it's it's weird, but we're just in a time right now, I think, where the haves and the have-nots, it's never been a greater gap, right? And so you look and you see and you're like, what do you mean the Steelers are a touchdown favorite over the over the Eagles? The Eagles won last week. You say, yeah, the Eagles won last week against another team that was literally putting out kind of their B squad. So uh, it's weird to say that I'm like, ah, yeah, if it's 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 either the – the home touchdown favorite or nothing, but I kind of feel like it's the touchdown favorite or nothing for me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in alignment with you two here. I, I mean, the Eagles, that, well, we probably said that was their best performance of the season. They were outgained 417 yards to 267, uh, yards per play 6 to 4.5. 
um, you know, against the backup quarterback who was just missing wide open mm. receivers. You know, first player of the game, he had huge check for <laughs> fifty yards and just just missed him. Like no one was near him. And I mean, Mullins, that was that, that's probably the worst quarterback performance I've seen all year. And, and they still went for four hundred yards against these Eagles. Um, so. Yeah, I think the key key mismatch, as as Brett pointed out, is that Steelers D line. Um, you know, it's first <laughs> first in every mm. pressure metric, basically first in sack rate and everything um, against an Eagles offensive line that's pretty makeshift at the minute. Um, I think it was sort of three or five new starters on on Sunday night. Uh, Lane Johnson was in that the lineup. He's by far their best player uh, on that line. He's game time decision. He, he might go. He might be gimpy if he does go. So either way, when's he going to be under siege back there? Um, the Good, I guess, on the Eagles' side, reasons for optimism. You know, Wentz is just running around a lot more. Mm. Uh, that, that's possibly one for player props. You know, if you find an over 15 and a half, it, it looks like he's going down the Ryan Fitzpatrick route of just body on the line, throw yourself, <laughs> right. you know, towards the first down line, you know, whatever it takes because because his weapons aren't there at the minute. Um, Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson both practicing again. Um, you know, it's tough to put too much faith in that mm-hmm. because w- neither of them managed to stay on the field for any length of time um, so it's, it's likely he's going to have the corpse of Zach Ertz and Greg Ward out there again so yeah the, the weakness of the Steelers defence is, is in the secondary but they just I just don't see the, that they have the weapons to take advantage of it um, so yeah I, I like the Steelers minus seven as well yeah same same here guys and and you know we'll, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll disagree on some stuff here along the way but this is just this this just lines up too incredibly perfectly for the Steelers and you would like to think that you know the more games they play the better they're going to get on the offensive side of the ball as well I think if there's anything that's been lacking for the Steelers is just consistency on the offensive line and we're only through a few games, but it makes sense when you talk about a quarterback that was out as long as Ben Roethlisberger was. And let's frank, I mean, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster wasn't on the field all that much last year either with all of his injuries. And so a lot of guys kind of getting back into the swing of things here. And you would think, if anything, that only that the Steelers would only get better. So again, lay in the wood here with the uh, with the big home favorites. And here's another opportunity if we want to go that route. Um, Brad, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and just let everybody know on this one this is a this was a stay away pass for me this big number I understand it could be kind of a name your own score type situation for this Ravens team if they wanted it to be but as good as Burrow has been in his short career and having you know the couple of weapons that he has on the at the wide receiver position and Joe Mixon and all that like this Bengals team just seems built for backdoor covers, and that's what scares me about this. Unlike last week where I was able to, where I felt comfortable in laying with the Ravens, I do not so much this week against this Bengals team, which is why I, I passed. Yeah, and one of the reasons the Redskins got that late touchdown that, you know, that, that pushed against the minus 14 is because they put RG3 in there. Mm-hmm. He threw, I think he threw an interception on his only pass and obviously they uh, the Redskins went down and scored. Well, now Lamar is properly banged up as well. A, they're, they're not going to be aggressive with him running the ball at all, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have thought, you know, that they know they're 13-point favourites. So they're not going to be doing that too much. And then as soon as they are up two touchdowns, I think you're going to see RG3 again and right. <laughs> we, we could get more errors from him. Um, and, even before that, I'm really not that impressed. So the, the Ravens lost the success rate battle in that game against the football team, who we you know we know they aren't very mm. good. But we want to bet against them as seven point dogs again this week. Um, they they lost that even even if you strip out the RG three plays, um, which is I, I thought concerning, and it's kind of been that way all season long. Um, they are they are struggling in the interior offensive line. Um, they, obviously, they lost Marshall Yander, who was kind of their big leader there, and his replacements given up the most pressures on that line. Um, so, and then on the other side, Joe Burrow, PFF have got him ranked as a, uh, a top ten passer already, and he's faced the most pressure. Brad, on the line. Brad, so, Brad, Brad, you know, he's, he's Brad, really Brad, Brad. We address him as future yes. Hall of Famer Joe Burrow on this on this podcast. It's all, it's a, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's his future Hall of Famer Joe Burrow. <laughs> Sorry, jo- Joey Cummings. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think everything everything sets up really nicely. If you ask me, um, 
there's no way the Romans are going to try and like put the pedal down here and, and get away. They just want to get out with a win. And Joey's going to be slinging it around all day back there. So, uh, yeah, I, I love the Bengals. So what we've seen here, Brett, is is they're okay with, with Joe Burrow throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game. Like, we, we've seen that. They're not worried about that at all. Um, and so you see these big numbers here. There is still a 13 out there at points bet. That it's it's tempting as hell to me to take the the Bengals here. Yeah, and Zach Zach Taylor isn't a coach I want to be fading when they're getting a lot of points because he is a sharp guy who's going to make decisions to get them back mm-hmm. into a football game. The key to this game is going to be Burrow gets this blitz and, and the game script facing Taylor and Joe Burrow if they fall behind early is kind of dicey. I mean, like you guys said, Burrow has faced more pressure than anyone. He's been hit or sacked more than any other quarterback in the NFL. And the, the Ravens blitz 46% mm-hmm. of the time. That's second highest in the NFL behind only the Steelers. And the Bengals, yeah, they allow pressure on 26% of his dropbacks, which is the fifth highest. So it's it's a fascinating matchup from that side of it. But you got the question mark with Lamar Jackson and his health. And if the Ravens just, you know, they they don't want to crush the throat of Cincy and just get out of here with a win. That's that's mm. a factor too. So it's this one's a tough one. I want to love Cincy, but at the same time, I I don't love the matchup. Like you need you need a creative, sophisticated scheme to break down this Ravens defense. And are the Bengals <laughs> there yet? I, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not sure. So we didn't. I'm I'm, not, we I'm didn't undecided. The total. You can find a fifty-one and a half out there. Um. I know it's crazy to say this in the year of our Lord 2020 that I would be leaning towards an under, but you know, with, with how you, as as to way we just explained how we think this game might play out and the Ravens just kind of like getting out to lead and then being comfortable with that and padding it and running the ball and running the clock and, and bleeding stuff. And we don't, we aren't necessarily a hundred percent sure how effective the uh, Bengals will be as far as scoring efficiency here. I at least would say I lean towards an under but uh not in my account quite yet if that makes sense but i did say that i leaned towards an under in 2020 which is uh which is pretty crazy uh <laughs> good luck yeah you're you're a brave man to bet yeah yeah playing playing with fire uh miami dolphins and san francisco 49ers this is a uh nine and a half well actually you can find this is why we talk about having multiple accounts here and being sure that you take advantage of that you can find everything from eight and a half all the way to nine and a half right now with this game um 49ers being favored at home here, Brett. The Miami Dolphins, 51 and a half uh, is the total in this one. They did have to come out and give a vote of confidence to, for Ryan Fitzpatrick to start for them this week, which I thought was weird. I didn't know that they were going to be turning to to two of this early in the season and certainly didn't know that that was even a consideration for week five in the season. But they had to come out and say, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick is still going to be our starter this week. Um, 49ers did get some decent injury news. There were, you know, a lot of their guys at least were starting to practice again. We do know that uh, Debo Samuel was able to get back on the field last week. He was limited snaps, but you think that his workload would continue to increase as well. So the 49ers starting to ease back into what the 49ers of, you know, entering the season might look like. Do you think, though, that the Dolphins keep this thing within double digits? I don't know. I went on my rant earlier this week about (laughs) Miami and Brian Flores and how this is going to be a tough team to back as dogs all season because of their lack of urgency to to go for it in situations they need to. Uh, They are getting healthier. It looks like they get Byron Jones back this week. But this is this is a tough spot traveling across the country against a team that is apparently getting its starting quarterback back. They got George Kittle back. He looked awesome last week. Debo Samuel. It looks like he has an illness, but he should be uh, back again this week. So the 49ers are getting healthier and they're up against the wall. Two and two record in the best division in the NFL, arguably. I mean, they're already two games behind Seattle in that division. And Miami just doesn't match up well with San Francisco uh, and what their build is on offense. This is a pass funnel to the middle of the field. And that's where Shanahan eats with Kittle and this run run attack. So I, I mean, I'm just lining up with favorites <laughs> all week. I, it, it hurts, but I, it's just, I, 
I don't I don't see Miami keeping this close. Yeah, Dolphins, Brad, I mean, look, five field goals last week. I mean, just like I don't I don't know. I don't know exactly what their strategy is and what they're playing for here because you, you gotta win games. I mean, you, and they're just basically playing to stay in games, which I typically don't like to back teams like that, but at the same time, I'm not fully bought into what the 49ers may or may not be putting out on the field. So this was actually one of the very first games that I crossed off this week. And so uh, no play for me on, on anything with this one. Um, Well, it looks like we've got one Miami, one San Fran and one in the middle. Cause I, I think, I quite like the Miami side right. here. Um, again, just get, starting with my uh, early down success rate metric, excluding garbage time, I've got Miami with the fourth best success rate in the NFL with 51.9%. Um, that's way ahead of the Niners down in 19th with 44.2%. Um, so, you know, as, as a nine-point underdog, I'm, I'm immediately interested mm. there when I've got, you know, a, a more more efficient offense there. Um, and then just say flip flip the line on the head from, from last week's games. Um, Seahawks went off minus four in the end. There was, you know, a lot of money for the, for the Seahawks. Uh, for the for, for the Dolphins against the Seahawks, sorry, um, all the way down from seven to four. So if we just use two point for home field, e- each end of that, you know, we're, we're looking at eight points. Um, so I've ruined the maths there. But anyway, what, what I'm saying is this this line's basically saying um, that the Niners are one and a half points better than the Seahawks mm-hmm. were last week, um, which again, no no one would agree with that either. So I I, I thought, again, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Miami side. Then the last thing, which I thought was again interesting, is um, the defensive strength of schedule. Um, this is one of my favorite stats as well, because... I think the, the the defensive numbers this early in the season are often a, a product of who you faced. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got San Fran with the easiest defensive strength of schedule in the league through through four games, and I've got Miami with the hardest strength of schedule through four games. Um, so complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and then health wise, again, Miami are getting their their boys back or Byron Jones back, um, whereas yeah, San Fran still still missing its top four pass rushers essentially. Um, so. Yeah, I, I just I just think nine and a half is is quite a lot too big. I would have made this number closer to seven and a half, um, even with Niners getting their weapons back. And again, guys, just uh, if if you're kind of like bobbing in and out here of the podcast, just be sure. And we're going to continue to beat the drum here of make sure that you're checking all the reports and things out there for all of these games, because these uh, these these positive tests are popping up left and right. And how the NFL is going to go about dealing with them is going to vary as well. So be sure and uh, be sure and check all of that before you, you make your bets and make sure you feel comfortable with the situation you're in. Should you know somebody go down? Giants and the Cowboys guys, uh, Brad, this is one of the very first tickets I put in my account this week, and it was not on a side, but on a total. And I went under in a game um, here at 54 and a half. This was a game where you take a look at this and I understand how bad the Cowboys defense has been, but we're talking about a Giants offense that has scored 16, 13, nine and nine in four games so far this year, playing some more, playing more difficult defenses, no doubt about that, but you're still looking at nothing explosive at all with this Giants offense. Daniel Jones does not look like he has fully figured things out quite yet. Of course, no Saquon Barkley. I don't have to tell you that. Underperforming at the tight end position is Evan Ingram and and not a lot of wide receivers to throw the ball to as well. So while I think Dallas could put up a decent amount of points here, I do think this Giants defense is a little bit underrated here. When I watch back a couple of the games here, they've got – they're not as bad, I think, as people uh, really kind of at first glance give it run de- give it uh, credit for it. Especially their, you know, look their their run defense is 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 actually one of the better ones I think in the league. Kind of a top third type rush rush defense. So um, I went under fifty four and a half on on this, and um, you know, not that I feel great about it, but I just I think these totals have gotten to a point now where we might be getting an incredibly elevated number. Yeah, not not one I've got involved with, but um, sorry, was that on me? No, Brad, are you, are you there? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I've unmuted myself. Oh, there we sorry, go. chaps, muted myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so not one I've got involved with, but I uh, I take your point mm-hmm. again. Giants uh, early down success rate, they're dead last in the NFL, mm-hmm. so 
you know, we, we've seen the Cowboys put up these gaudy numbers as well, but they've done a lot better in in garbage right. time. So again, when it when excluding that, I've got I've got them at tenth in success rate, you know, when the when the game is close. So if the Giants don't run out ahead, which we're, you know, we don't <laughs> expect them to at all, then the Cowboys the Cowboys offense is is not this sort of elite smash unit. Um that they've been, you know, they've been one of the lowest in kind of the modern offensive concepts like like play action, like mm-hmm. motion before before the snap. It's a lot of three wide and if you win, if you know, if if C D Lamb wins, then we win the play. But that's not really that's not really that effective nowadays. Um so yeah, we're not not involved myself, but we'd uh, but quite like that underlook. Brett, I mean, we take a look at this, and again, uh, it, Brad mentioned all the things that I was talking about whenever I was looking, kind of at this game here. And I understand that uh, I understand that there is a lot of this has to do with the fact that the Giants get down, and then teams just kind of start running the ball or whatever. But they've actually held three of the four quarterbacks they've played this year under 250 yards passing. We know that the that Dallas, when you look at the Dak Prescott numbers, is really all padded through them being down in these deficits and having to play this incredible, incredibly huge comeback and teams playing pad uh, teams playing loose defense and, and kind of giving them a bunch of completions here. So I, I think a lot of this stuff, whenever you look at it just at face value, is really, really misleading. And when you really dig into it, you see that this Dallas team is – kind of middle of the pack at best. And that's not bad. I mean, it's not like they're horrible, but middle of the pack at best. And we're talking about, uh, you know, 54 and a half points. That's just, uh, that's a lot of points. I don't care if it is today's NFL. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this is one of the better plays of the week. I just, this Giants defense is one of the more underrated in the NFL right now. And the metrics back that up. Does the petting, does the, the betting public recognize that? Very doubtful. And uh, this is this is an insanely high total. And the Cowboys are due for mm. for scoring regression. They've done so much of the their scoring playing from behind and taking shots against teams sitting back on their heels late in the game. And this Giants defense, uh, Giants offense is just horrendous. Like imagine giving this team an implied total of 23 when they're averaging yeah. what, 11 and a half points per game. I mean, yeah, the the Giants or the Dallas defense is bad, but it looks like Leighton Vanderesh might be back this week. He's practicing again. So that's a huge addition to that Giant or that Dallas defense. So, uh, yeah, I love the under. The here Colts too. and the Browns, one of the more interesting games of the week. We have the Colts sitting as one point favorites over the Browns, a total of 47, 47 and a half, depending on where you get it. Uh, Brett, looks like the Browns are kind of starting to figure things out a little bit. It looks like Stefanski is starting to finally get things together with this uh, Brown team again. One of those things maybe we should have expected that they might look like garbage early and then maybe be able to make some progress as uh, systems start to play out. And then you have the Colts team here with one of the better defenses in the league, but Phillip Rivers, who I unfortunately have a couple of uh, MVP tickets on <laughs> that I took at 80 to <laughs> one. Um, uh, not going to get there for him. His uh, This offense has been mediocre at best here they are as one point one and a half even still at FanDuel out there uh road favorites going to Cleveland here pretty interesting game maybe one of the more interesting matchups of the week yeah it is and the 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 line was a bit bit baffling to me at Cleveland plus two Mm -hmm. early in the week it's on the move now and I think this might actually close with the Browns as a as a favorite so I mean if you like the Browns here I would highly advise betting it uh now even though it's it's yeah. not going to move through any key numbers but still i mean you can you you might get them as a, as a one point dog here but cleveland's offense has just been so much better than indies and in a season where offense matters so much i'm i will gladly uh take the browns here on the money line or however however you want to bet it i mean even even coming off that dominant performance on the road last week i can't buy into some of these metrics that tell me Indy is mm-hmm. a top three team in the NFL, not with this offense. Like this defense has been excellent, but they really haven't been tested yet either. And now, now they get it with uh, an explosive offense that may be putting it together. Uh, so this is a prove a game for me for both teams. I think the Browns have the better team on paper. Uh, they have the better offense for sure. And they're getting a point at home right now. I don't have a whole lot of conviction in a lot of plays this week, but this is this is one of them. I really like the Browns here in this spot against a team that is getting some undeserved, uh, an undeserved boost from. 
the markets when they really haven't shown anything on offense. Brad, I talked about this was a week of a bunch of teasers for me when this thing opened at two and a half as a home dog for the Browns. This was just the classic move that two and a half to eight and a half and just blindly and feel good about it. Uh, So that's what I did. So I have Cleveland plus eight and a half in this one. The Colts, even if they do win, do I see them winning by more than a touchdown in this game with just the way that they performed so far? On offense, I can't say that I do. Of course, the Browns will be without Nick Chubb, but that's the whole reason you have a Kareem Hunt. I mean, this is a guy who's been a three-down back, a very successful three-down back in the NFL already. Uh, Dearness Johnson did come in and, and get some run as well. But uh, you look at this, uh, the, the the metrics here, and Pro Football Focus loves this Browns offense and what they've been able to put together here these last few weeks as well. And uh, the Colts, again, just kind of middle of the pack, just kind of just kind of getting it done. And while they might get it done this week, uh, I need them to cover. I need them to get it done by nine points. And I don't think that's in the cards here. So I'm, I'm really loving where I'm sitting on my position with the Browns in this one. But let's say you're playing this straight up. What do you think about the 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 one point favorite on the road here? Forty six, forty seven, forty seven and a half type total. Yeah, more agreement here. Again, mm-hmm. I'm with Brett and uh, and you here. I think we've got the wrong team favoured, basically. Uh, oh, so if we start with the indie defence, that because that's pretty mm-hmm. much why they're favoured here, because, you know, it's number one in DVOA, all, all, the, all this stuff. But they've faced, you know, just a very easy schedule, mm-hmm. seventh easiest. Um, and I remember on this show, after, in week two, uh, I, I made the case for an indie bet against Minnesota, and I had to, I had to claim that they were just average after mm-hmm. they'd just been carved up by Jacksonville. I was going, oh, they're not that, they don't, they're not that mm-hmm. bad. Um, and so maybe they're slightly above average, but they're, they're definitely not this sort of league-leading unit. And they're going to be missing their middle linebacker, uh, Darius Leonard. Um, and there's, there's injuries on the offensive line as well. Um, Anthony Costanzo looks, looks, I think he missed practice. He's unlikely to play. Um, and, and that matters against this Browns defensive front because, you know, that, that is where they're strong. And you, when you when I first thought about this game, it was kind of almost that Spider Man meme. Two you know two teams strong <laughs> offensive lines. Right. They want to run the ball and and kind of average defenses. Um, but but that that's true for the Browns. You know it's, it's, it's a top three interior O line. You know as you said, like best best run best run mm-hmm. offense in the league. They're they're first in the NFL in EP, EPA per play on on early downs. They're doing everything well. Well, the, the Colts are just not that. Um, their their rushing success rate is down at thirty one percent. Is is right. is like twenty eighth in the NFL. So I, I don't see them having success rushing the ball against this strong Browns front. So it's it's up to Philip Rivers to kind of shoulder the load with T Y Hilton and his tight ends basically. Yeah. Um, and T Y Hilton historically he's been much worse outdoors. Yeah, he averages like fifty yards outdoors compared to eighty indoors in that dome. So I just don't really see that Rivers is going to move the ball that well. And then, on you know, when the Browns have the ball, we've spoken how good they are at running the ball. The Colts, the strength of their D is uh, DeForest Buckner, basically. That's, that's that's like where they're only truly elite. Well, the, Brown, the Browns' interior OL is just the best in the league as well. So if they nullify that threat, I just think they move up and down all day. And uh, yeah, wrong team favored job. Yeah. I, I, again, we don't talk about these beforehand because we want to make sure that we're giving our own opinions on here. But uh, a lot of agreement this week, and it makes me feel good because uh, I think that we're all kind of getting to the same point with different ways to get to the, to the same point with these games. Games. And so I uh, really do like that. Minnesota at Seattle and another touchdown favorite. We have the Seattle Seahawks as a full touchdown favorite over the Minnesota Vikings. Should I dare I say the resurgent Minnesota Vikings? Uh, Brad, we have a total of, yes, 57 in this game. You can find a 56 and a half out there. But uh, Minnesota Vikings, Seattle Seahawks. Touchdown favorite and a 57 total. Yeah, we should uh, we should be due a good one. So my, my first look here was Seattle just because, you know, West Coast team mm-hmm. um, in the night game. We, we like I like that angle. Um, you know, you just look at Russell Wilson's numbers in prime time. I think he's 22-9-3 and three against the spread. Um, and I'm, I'm sure some of it is that circadian rhythm stuff. Um but when I, the, the more I dug into this, the more I began to like the Vikings side of things. So, a that they, they 
they've taken money the last two weeks. Um, you know, they, they came out of the blocks in the first two weeks of the season and they put up some terrible offensive numbers. But when you kind of dug into their yards per play, they were they were good. They were good in success rate. Their third down was terrible, which is why they weren't on the field very often. Um, and then so that that would suggest they're underrated. They've taken a lot of pro money the last two weeks. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them take more, especially as we saw the Seahawks get bet against, as I mentioned mm. earlier. So pros have shown, you know, they, 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 which side they might prefer here. Um, and then last week as well, I thought it was interesting that we saw the, the Vikings, they use a lot more play action. They continue to get Justin Jefferson involved. They use more motion as well. Uh, and there was a little quote from Mike Zimmer midweek where he's, he basically told Kubiak, don't be afraid to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. Don't, like, don't worry about abandoning the run if, if that's what you want to do. So I, I can see them having a lot of success as well because we know, you know, we know the Seahawks defense isn't, isn't that efficient either. So, and basically, for, as for the Seahawks offense, I, yeah, I still don't see anyone stopping them. Right. Um, yeah, I just think they're as elite as it gets. They, they've overperformed in the red zone. They're about 90% touchdown rate, which is just not sustainable in the slightest, however good Wilson is. So I probably, my favorite bet, if, if forced to be up, forced to get involved would probably be the over 56 I can just see both offenses moving up and down the field um, as for the sides yeah as I say that I, I think there is arguments both ways so I'll stay away from the side and would go over 56 and a half Brett you look at the Seahawks and this is not to say uh, Jamal Adams is already ruled out but he, the rest of these guys I'm going to name are either going to try and play not at 100% or will not go at all uh, when it comes down to Sunday evening it's going to be Dwayne Brown, Jordan Brooks, Shaq Griffin, Bobby Wagner, all of these guys that have, have done limited practices or did not practice throughout the course of the week. So uh, a Seahawks team that it could be one, a, d- a defense has been bad anyway, that is it could be even more shorthanded when they go out there um, again. I hate to continue to just echo the the same thing here and I don't want to be an echo chamber as a podcast but we're just going to give you our thoughts on this and no matter how you think it's same with me man it's either it's either Vikings or pass for me I'm going to take the touchdown or I'm going to pass I think that the Vikings are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field and score here listen we talk about home field advantage and what it means and there are places where home field advantage is much bigger than other places Seattle is one of them and there's not going to be home field advantage in this situation, there's not going to be so incredibly loud where they can't, you know, change calls at the line and they're not going to be able to hear things. There's going to be all these false starts and stuff like that. There's that's not the case for the Vikings. So you do take that out of play as well with this. And so, um, again, I, I I know we're just agreeing, 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 but I, I like the Vikings plus seven if I'm playing this game. We're fading Seattle again. I, I know doing this. I know. I know. <laughs> We picked out we picked out this defense last week and it bit us in the ass. Uh, but I'm going I'm going right back there again this week with a better right. offense. Minnesota, sixth in the NFL in PFF offense grade, top ten pass grade, really good run grade. I mean, this is a good offense and they're putting it together now with Justin Jefferson, who looks like I mean he's like the top. I think he's the top rated wide receiver in the NFL right now according to PFF. That's crazy. So. This is the one game with a really high total this week where I don't like the favorite because Minnesota is able to move the ball through the air really however mm-hmm. they want. And this Seattle defense is still really bad. So I don't love it. Like just fading Seattle scares yeah. the hell out of me. But I, I think I think Minnesota I'm has getting to be the a, right getting a full touchdown. I think my opinion would change drastically if this thing even ticked off the seven to to a six and a half and all that. Right. But like getting a full touchdown is is so incredibly huge in the NFL. So I'll take the full touchdown there. Uh, guys, we'll just talk the one Monday night game again. I, I don't know if we need to spend a bunch of time talking Denver, New England, or Buffalo, Tennessee, considering those games might not get played. Um, we're still kind of in limbo with all those, but we can talk Chargers and Saints. Uh, Saints, eight-point favorites at home against the Chargers. The Chargers have made the move to Justin Herbert permanently. So... Uh, what we've learned here is team doctor punctures your lung with an injection. You lose job and then you lose job permanently. Uh, that is unbelievably crazy to me, but that is, that's the situation that we've got with that. The, uh, saints, uh, there is a seven and a half at sugar house. Majority of the books have eight. There is an eight and a half for the saints over at FanDuel. a total of 50 and a half. Um, Brett, I'll start with you on this one. There was a, Slight 
rumor that this one might get moved up to Indianapolis because of the hurricane that was bearing down. It does not look like that's going to be the case after all. So it looks like it will be played in New Orleans in the Superdome. So we really hadn't seen the the line or the total move at all in this. And frankly, I don't think it should or would anyway. You're moving to a dome. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's I guess there's a mild inconvenience because of travel, but that would be just about it for, for New Orleans. Uh, Chargers team here without Austin Eckler as well. Yeah, I'll be honest. I stared at this game and I don't know what to do with it. It's at that seven and a half number where the they're like begging you to take <laughs> chargers. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I have not taken a deep dive into this one yet. I'll, I'll be honest. So you guys, you guys are going to handle this. Uh, one for Brad, me. I'll say, I'll say this. Um, Again, I said this just set up to be one of these classic where I'm going to play just a a shitload of teasers. And this is another one for me. Uh, Saints at home against this Chargers team where I can get this thing under a field goal and come down off of that eight and get it down through the seven, through the three, to a two. Uh, I think the Saints team is a field goal better than this Chargers team far, far, far more times than not I think that this I think that what we've seen from this Saints defense as well is not indicative of what we're going to see long term I think there is some regression that should happen here in the positive way for for the Saints defense as well they are not as bad as they have played so far this year and uh weirdly enough man if we look at the offense and we joke about the the we joke about the arm strength of uh, of of Drew Brees and and all of that, but it looks like they're going to get Michael Thomas back. It looks like they've just that's this is just the offense. I think this team runs now, and I don't think that you necessarily. I think because we look at the Mahomes of the world and stuff, and we think that you have to throw fifty yard bombs to have success, and maybe you don't, right? I mean, maybe you can just cater an offense around these seven, eight yard, nine yard passes and still have success. And it looks like the Saints have figured out a way to do that. So uh, Saints a teaser leg for me this week. What about you? Uh, yeah, I think the injury reports are quite key. Um, yeah, I mean, as to, just on the Saints side, it's Michael Thomas, Marcus Davenport, Marshawn Lattimore, Jared Cook, and just Pete. So Ryan Ramchick, the right tackle, they're all limited in practice. If they all play, you know, suddenly this is this is who they were at the start of the season. This is this is a pretty good team, um, especially Michael Thomas, because I think timing and rhythm is so important for Breeze now, because. It, you know, it, he he doesn't if he if he sees if he sees that someone's open and then lets it go, mm-hmm. then the window's probably going to be closed. But if he can anticipate and trust, you're going to be there. Then he'll let it fly, and, and that that rhythm and timing works. Um, so I think that is important. If Michael Thomas is back, same for the Chargers. Lot of lot of important injuries. Joe Bosa nursing his tricep and a knee injury. Um, I think the key is the the right side of the offensive line. Brian Bulaga and Trey Turner did not practice. Um, and as you say, if, if they don't go, then I think this Saints uh, defensive regression to the to the good, that can happen pretty quickly. Um, and that'll probably happen Monday night. Um, as for the quarterback for the for the Chargers, um, obviously last week he, we saw him put up, put up a lot of points, 34 against the Bucks. Um, but there was a lot of explosive plays. There was, obviously there was the pick six as well for mm. the Chargers. And then there was two 70-yard touchdowns. And down to down, the success rate was about 32%. So below league average and I wonder I think the Bucks basically gambled said we're going to blitz you mm. if you beat us deep so be it we don't think you can he did and uh, it, it wasn't enough and obviously that's on tape and I, I wonder if we see a bit of regression here um, so at seven and a half I'll probably lean to the Saints but not one I'm involved with yet Guys, as always, uh, written breakdowns of the games over on thelines.com. And you should definitely follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. You should follow Brett at Brett Colson, even though he tweets about once every two weeks. And you can follow me at Matt Brown M2. And we do appreciate you subscribe, rating, and reviewing Apple, Google, Stitcher, and Spotify for all of these. And again, we have an odds feed over at thelines.com. So be sure to take advantage of that. And if you live in any of the states that have legalized sports betting, just go in and click on your state and see whatever offers are available. Because again, we cannot stress enough what getting the best number can mean for your success rate long-term in sports betting. So having two or three accounts where you can at least shop a little bit when it comes to lines and totals and whatnot uh, is, is, is super, super important. So be sure and do that. For Brad, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.